0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelensky Show. I'm starting a new series. I believe it's going to be a four-part series, and I'm calling this series Codex Magica, Secret Signs, Mysterious Symbols, and Hidden Codes of the Illuminati. And I think you're really going to enjoy this show. In fact, it's going to be very eye-opening. And you know what? Why should we even care about signs and symbols and Hidden Codes, because it is everywhere. Now, I know some of you know a little bit, but this series is really going to delve into things. Now, of course, if you are listening on the podcast, I'm really hoping that you will click on the video links in the podcast descriptions, because really, you have to see the visuals in the video for this to be really effective. So some people have asked, you know, what is the point of uploading these to the podcast, because they really, really do have to be viewed. But at the same token, a lot of people just still prefer to just listen to the podcast. Although, you know, I'm a visual. And so I think the visual is so much better but in any event you will want to watch this series definitely on youtube and i still am uploading videos when they will allow them to youtube although i've had quite a bit of challenges to say the least so i'm delving into this series again codex magica and i hope you're really going to enjoy this series so let's begin i want to say first caution you're entering the danger zone (laughs) maybe i should say you are now entering the forbidden zone so what concealed messages and secret symbols what does that have to do with today well because they're everywhere They're clearly disguised, and you'd be quite shocked at how prevalent images are all around you. From the grocery store, your favorite stores, your clothes, embedded in magazines, or lurking in powerful advertising. Sometimes they're hidden in plain sight, but only noticed to the keen observer. Thomas Mann, the keen social observer and philosopher, once suggested that men are erroneously taught to believe that it is forbidden and wrong to expose the works of darkness or to reveal the machinations of evildoers, especially evildoers who, though they act in hellish ways, the deceived world at large so obviously holds in the highest regard. Ephesians 5.11 says something else. <laughs> it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Another version says, reprove them. How interesting the realization that, as Thomas Mann puts it, hell takes secret delight in its ability to keep secrets. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18 seems to have a relation to this. It states, a foolish woman sitteth in the high place of the city, To call passengers who go right in their ways, she saith to them, bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. So here's my question, why does the Illuminati value secrecy so highly? Why all the mysterious encoded signs, handshakes, symbols, languages, and codes? Well, for one thing, the psychopaths, These megalomaniacs, they're the people who are Illuminists. For some reason, the kind of people who are Illuminists seem to be drawn to the darkness, to mysterious perversions and deep occultism. Nothing so arouses the deep mind's attention than the call of the dark, arcane, and mysterious. In fact, Paul Houston writes in his book Mastering Witchcraft, listen to this, Secrecy is deemed essential amongst witchcraft groups, and witchcraft at the highest level, in essence, is Illuminism. Witchcraft consists of knowledge, and knowledge brings power. Power shared is power lost. Although we have entered the age of Aquarius, the book states, along with its attendant freedom and loosening of restrictions, it will still be very much in your interests as a witch to shroud certain of your doings in a reasonable veil of secrecy but there's a most terrible secret of all the secret that if discovered would sound the death knell for the illuminati and freemasonry in fact manly p hall the 33rd degree high level mason touched on this in his book, Lectures on Ancient Philosophy. He says, Freemasonry is a fraternity within a fraternity, an outer organization concealing an inner brotherhood of the elect. The invisible society is a secret fraternity dedicated to a mysterious secret. As Hall alludes here, Freemasonry, you know what it does? It hides its greatest secret, even from its own membership at large. Only an invisible quote unquote, inner brotherhood is entrusted with it. I've touched on this in a show I did called Mind Control, Masonry, Magic and Music. And I'll link that in the description below. And it ties into something Robert Guffey, writing in the book, The Conspiracy Reader, reports that cryptocrats, as he calls the elite, consider most Americans to be mere sheep who must be kept from discovering the black cauldron of dirty secrets hidden to them. So this mysterious secret of which Manly P. Hall writes, surely falls into this category of dirty secrets kept scrolled away in the black cauldron. The mysterious secret is this, are you ready for it? That the unknown God worshipped by the Masons and called by such hazy, nebulous names as the great architect of the universe, and by code names such as Abaddon, Mahabone, Jabulin, is actually none other than Satan. That is the greatest of secrets that the Illuminati must shield from view. To maintain their rotten and corrupt body of secrets, the Illuminati leaders and groups employ symbols. The rites, ceremonies, hand signs, and grips of the Illuminists are based on the science and art of symbolism. It is said that symbolism began as recorded in the Bible's book of Genesis when God put a mark, or sign, on Cain, who had slain his brother Abel. And so, throughout history, marks, signs, pictures, codes, and hieroglyphs came to be used to convey words, ideas, concepts, and secrets. You find symbols everywhere. The world is full of symbols. The elite, in fact, use so many symbols and signs to hide and obfuscate their magical work and alchemy. What is alchemy, you ask? Some people think alchemy is simply a precursor to modern chemistry. In ancient times, before we had a modern understanding of science, alchemists tried to create a process by which they could transform lead into gold. Alchemy was involved in attempts to mix potions that would cure illness or would prolong life indefinitely. Alchemy traces its roots to ancient Egypt, where alchemists produced alloys, cosmology, jewelry, perfume, and substances even to embalm the dead. But alchemy is way more than just finding the right combination of chemicals. Alchemy is related to magic and astrology. Alchemy includes knowledge of the elements, and believe you me, it's an ancient practice shrouded in mystery and secrecy. Alchemy is the father of all occult wisdom because it's the foundation of everything in magic. An alchemist, you could say, is a very patient scientist of magic. Sorcery, alchemy, astrology, and even pharmacology. Well, we all know pharmacia, divining fortune-telling and clairvoyance, the Kabbalah, the talisman, they all go hand in hand. But some believe alchemy is the power to turn one thing into another. Alchemy, magic, witchcraft, and sorcery, they link together, but I can assure you they are not the fabulous four. Now it's interesting, back to Manly P. Hall, Alistair Crowley referred to Helena Petrovna Blavatsky as his forerunner. She was a Russian witch, an alchemist, and the founder of theosophy, and really the founder of Thelema, although it's attributed to Aleister Crowley. Remember Thelema, as in Marina Abramovich, spirit cooking? More on that later. To Crowley, Blavatsky claimed that the ancient wisdom to which she had access was consistent with modern science, alchemy, magic, physics, Evolutionary biology and numerology. The New Age started with Blavatsky. So yes, high-level wizard, black magic, deemed the most evil man in the world. Alistair Crowley recognized Blavatsky as a sister of Master of the Temple in his system of spiritual grades, specifically pointing her out as his immediate predecessor in O.T.O., Crowley thought it especially noteworthy that he was born in the same year that the Theosophical Society was inaugurated. Crowley was a major player in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which obviously is based on the god Hermes. But Crowley had a falling out when it came to mysticism and rites and rituals, and he began, essentially, Thelema, or at least an offshoot of Helena Blavatsky's work. Now, again, Crowley was not only a high-level wizard, he was a high-level mason. And in some circles, it's said that he reached the 72nd degree, because we typically think of the degrees in masonry as just 33, but there's a 72 degree. In ancient Egypt, Set has 72 degrees accomplices in the death of Osiris. We know how the Egyptian Kemet and the Kabbalah. 72 is a very important number to these high-level occultists. According to the Zohar, the degrees of Jacob's ladder was the number 72. And it is said, intelligence is governed by the 72 zodiacal terms according to the Kabbalistic Gematria. And I could go on and on about that. But in the occult world of Freemasonry, there is an obvious fascination in these tenuous connections from ancient to modern, unlocking the secret knowledge in life, all things esoteric, and really what they want to do with alchemy, the Kabbalah, the mystery schools. They want to unlock the secrets of the universe. They want to gain insight. And that's why these texts and symbols and rituals appeal to their sense of power, to the secret knowledge they think they can find. Jesus stated that the religion of the Antichrist would be the Kabbalah. Christians are not very familiar with Jewish writings like the Talmud and the Kabbalah. They're clueless about things that were common knowledge to Jewish people living at the time of Christ. Blavatsky writes in the preface that ISIS unveiled is a plea for the recognition of the hermetic philosophy, the ancient universal wisdom religion, the three parts of wisdom divulged by God to Hermes. This is where essentially what Hermeticism is, it's supposed to be the three parts of wisdom divulged by God to Hermes, which were alchemy, astrology, and Thergy, referring to the operation of the stars. And all this has to tie in to the operation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. It refers to divine magic reliant upon an alliance with divine spirits such as angels, archangels, and gods, as opposed to Gosia, which is black magic reliant upon an alliance with evil spirits and demons. But the practical aspect of the hermetic art is alchemy. And the ultimate goal of the wisdom is become united with higher counterparts, or deities. And there's a very syncretic movement between Hermeticism and Kabbalah. It's like ancient mystery Babylon with a Jewish veneer on it. So back to the Hermetic order of the Golden Dawn, arguably the pinnacle of ceremonial magic, and in my opinion, the single greatest influence on 20th century Western occultism. And then you have Urim Salas, and then the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor, and Thelema. So there's very strong links between contemporary Hermeticism, Wicca, Neopaganism, magic, and the occult. So now, getting back to symbolism, it began as recorded in the book of Genesis, like I said, when God put a mark or a sign on Cain, who slain his brother Abel. Symbols are more than just pictures. Consider when you and I As patriotic Americans see the red, white, and blue flag of the United States waving aloft, many emotions are aroused in our minds and hearts. Feelings of a love of country, patriotism, home and family, perhaps a deep appreciation for our country's founders, the Constitution, for the soldiers and servicemen who have died to protect and keep us free. All this bound up in just one, let's call it symbol, to the high-level Illuminists their occult symbols also embody a deep and varied set of meanings. Alex Horn in Sources of Masonic Symbolism, distinguishes between a mere emblem and a symbol. An emblem is something that stands for something else, he says. Well, a symbol has deep spiritual meaning. A symbol, he goes on to say, veils or hides a secret, and it is that which veils mysterious forces these energies, when released, can have a potent effect, end of quote. So to these Illuminists, these high-level wizards, whose entire life is cloaked and immersed in magical symbols, signs, and codes, and who have taken these solemn oaths to maintain the secrecy in fear of disclosure or death, the world takes on a supernatural paranoid quality. Illuminist don't kid yourself, are indeed very dangerous men. It is very important to understand that almost all the symbols and signs of the elite are very ancient in origin. In fact, former Scottish Rite Freemasonry sovereign Grand Commander Henry Clausen, who was appointed in 1942 by Roosevelt to head up the commission to investigate the Pearl Harbor attack, writes that the footsteps of the order go deep and its symbols are thousands of years old. Clausen states, "...they arose in ancient ages. The signs, symbols, and inscriptions come to us from across long, drifting centuries and will be found in ancient Sumerian clay tablet libraries of the cities of Lur, Lagash, and others of the first true urban civilization." This occurred about 600 years before Egypt was civilized. In other words, what Clausen's telling these Masonic readers is that their signs and symbols, they came from Babylon. And we know the Bible warns that the ancient mystery religion of wicked Babylon will bounce back into demonic prevalence in the last days. Read Revelation 13, 17, and 18. So here we have the sovereign grand commander, the international chieftain of the Masonic Lodge, informing us of the Babylonian origins of secret symbols and signs of his Illuminist order. So now we begin to realize that for the elite, their symbols are infused with powerful and explosive meanings with which the Illuminati endow their signs and symbols. And I'm going to delve more into this in this series. I'm just giving you a little overview today. So let me give you a little quick definition as I found in the New Encyclopedia Britannica. Magic, as defined by the New Encyclopedia Britannica, defines it as ritual performance or activity believed to influence human or natural events through access to an external mystical force beyond the ordinary human sphere. This is exceptionally accurate, and it reveals to us exactly why the Illuminati consider magic of such extraordinary importance in the accomplishment of their aims. Magic is an occult activity. That's also indicated in the New Encyclopedia Britannica. So we're not talking about simply magicians playing parlor tricks or some entertainment extravaganza, pulling a rabbit out of the hat and sawing a girl in half. We're talking about occult rituals. In these occult rituals, the let's call it the magician, the Illuminist, if you will, believes that he can influence humans or natural events. In performing these magical works, the Illuminist is influencing human behavior or otherwise causing real events to occur in a particular planned way or intended matter. Remember the word Abracadabra, that's a very good example. Do you think that is just some little cutesy phrase that they throw out there? Many of these popular mantras and slogans among witchist occultists, and illuminists, they actually change things. Reality is transformed. And alchemical transformation actually occurs so you can see how society can be shaped by occult plan. Now, the highest authorities in the occult world admit That there are entities at work. The Bible calls them demons, dark powers, dominions, thrones, principalities, wickedness in high places. So what these occultists, these wizards are doing is invoking devils from an invisible realm beyond the ordinary human sphere, as you want to call it, in this sphere that we live in. But the Bible says that we are not fighting flesh and blood, but against these principalities and dark powers at work in this world. And all these occult and Masonic communities can call these evil presences by any cover-up name they want. The Great White Brotherhood, Shambhala, planetary entities, the Anunnaki, the hierarchy. But in fact, the working of magic, I am convinced, folks, is nothing less than the invocation of devils. And the Illuminati has designed its many rituals, ceremonies, signs, symbols, and codes, the architecture, the art, and other devices, so that the world around us has become a veritable grand theater of the occult. The whole world is a stage. The world is enchanted dark with supernaturalism and the one the Bible calls the prince of the power of the air, also referred to as Satan. Now, of course, a lot of the rich and famous celebrity glitzy jet setting types are into occultism and illuminism and witchcraft. Why? Because it's trendy and fashionable. But I'm going to tell you something. Right now, a lot of them are into the occult, and they're very well aware of it. They've sold their soul. You see the little red bracelets running around. There's many, many celebrities, entertainers, singers, including many in sports that are in the inner circle of the elite They often come across as the do-gooders, the ones who support the socialistic, globalist, environmentalist. We have to save the planet. We just want peace for mankind. And at the highest level of government, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, even members of the royal family, financiers, media moguls, CEOs, the list goes on and on. A lot of them are dupes doing the bidding of the cabal. The builders, essentially. The builders believe that God did Adam and Eve a disservice by driving them out of the garden. They rankle at the fact that Nimrod, the king of Babylon, was confounded in building the Tower of Babel, and they are seized with rage over the destruction of their temple in Jerusalem. In fact, the builders are so angered that every time they've sought to bring the world together as one, they have been thwarted by God. The economies of all the nations must be equalized, enterprise extinguished, constitutions ignored, private property seized or regulated severely, religion transformed. Yes, folks, these are all the goals to build the new world order. In other words, the elite intend to destroy the existing world order. The old must go in order for them to make way for the new. It's the Hegelian dialect process that's being used to achieve this prime objective similar to the hindu god shiva who represents them they want to destroy this world system and then from the burned out carcass like the phoenix rising from the ashes comes the new city of glory the kingdom of the illuminati ruled by their godman king and their master satan what started out in the plains of shinar is not finished yet folks but God's incomparable plan shall prevail. Jesus Christ and his true disciples, they shall reign triumphant forever and the evil shall be judged. And what of the Illuminati and the destroyers of the earth, Satan's servants? Well, the scripture points out their fate too. They shall be judged so that God should destroy them which destroy the earth. Let's go on to power now. I mentioned the word power. The hunger for power motivates the human disciples in the Illuminati structure. Well, because they serve Satan, so they instinctually know that they are doing his will. They expect to be rewarded greatly for the service to the evil side. George Bernard Shaw, who maintained an overwhelming hatred for God and for Christianity, wrote of a will incarnated in higher consciousness man, the elite, that shall in his words, finally mold chaos itself into a race of gods, the ubermensch, the superhuman, the uberman, the superman, a new race of ubermensch, as Nietzsche put it, become the race of gods. Some people say usher in the god-men, the men of renown, the men of old. What an intoxicating prospect to these people, I'm sure. But the Bible says of the Antichrist, he shall do according to his will in Daniel eleven thirty six, 36. Aleister Crowley, again, back to him, head of the occultic order, order Templi Orientis. The OTO prided himself, again, I alluded to it before, being the wickedest man on earth. Crowley preached that Satanists had only one commandment, do as thou wilt, that shall be the whole of the law. Only gods can do as they will. That translates into awesome power. Changing reality by the force of one's will is in fact the very essence of magic and witchcraft. F. Astor Barnwell in his book The Meaning of Christ for Our Age equates superhuman with god consciousness. Through magic, says Barnwell, a man may live forever as a god. Barnwell refers to this psychic energy force by a Hindu term, kundalini, or serpent power. A man possessing serpent power. As Shakespeare once wrote, the world is mine oyster, which I, with sword, shall take and plunder. Yeah, the world is their oyster. There's a big club as, well, sadly, he was self-proclaimed atheist, but George Carlin did say, there's a big club and you're not in it. They wanna conquer and reign. That's what they want to do. It was the British colonist plotter Cecil Rhodes who once declared, I would annex the planets if I could. Pretty prideful. So move on to another term, pride. A perverse sense of false pride is a major factor that motivates men to be active as Illuminati operatives and to communicate by secret handshakes, signs, and by other occult media. To smugly conceive of oneself as superior in enlightenment, in class status, in social connections, and in all artificial aspects is quite common to the elite. A system of rewards, awards, jewels to be worn, money to be spent, covert handshakes and cryptic signs reinforces... The ideology that the individual is special and superior and only they belong to the club, not you. In other words, oh wow, aren't they special? They're pulling the wool over the eyes of us commoners. What control we have over the masses. What swill can these sheeple be made to swallow? And you've heard the quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. What is it all about? It's about controlled. That is the shared goal of the cabal. And closely linked with their perverse and exaggerated pride is a corrupt reality that the men of the Illuminati do indeed run most things in society. They're afflicted with elitism. And sadly, the dumbed down masses adore the men and women of the elite. Elitism is a sickness. They look down on the inferior goyim, their inner circle and their puppets, the group mind and the insectoids. Jim Keith in Mind Control and UFO has also noted a hive mentality. There's a group mind, a hive mind in these people, whether an Illuminist is a member of the inner circle or a lowly puppet. It is for that reason that Adam Weishaupt, co-founder of the classical Order of the Illuminati in 1776, called his sect, the Beenen Order, Order of the Bees. Interesting, and it's interesting. Jim Keith, in his book Mind Control and UFOs, Keith wrote that in the South American nation of Colombia, there is a German community which, even today, after you know close to seventy years after World War II, uses the swastika as its icon. When you scan the pictures that are gonna be throughout the videos, you will immediately discover that the conspirators of the Illuminati have a deep, dark desire to signal to each other. This is especially true of the bloodline families of the Illuminati, the royal families in Europe, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. And for these people, this stuff is no laughing matter. It's serious business. It's ritual witchcraft, and without it, their lives would revert to the mundane. Witchcraft and magic, sorcery, and symbols have become an essential part of their lives. They're addicted, and they must continue. As one famous witch once remarked, I had no self-control. My appetite for performing spells and working magic eventually became insatiable. Satan kept wanting more and more, and I had to provide it. You know, we know that the love of money is the root of all evil, but power is something they covet even more. Because after all, they want to please their master, Lucifer, who's the highest priority of the Illuminati. Illuminist Albert Pike, former sovereign grand commander, here's another quote from him. And by the way, his commentary on morals and dogma, which is the classic learning textbook for all Masons, which was, issued in July of 1889 to the Supreme Councils of the World, identifying the master whom Masons universally worship and venerate. Let's listen to a quote right out of Morals and Dogma. That which we must say to the crowd is, we worship a God, but it is a God that one adores without superstition. To you, sovereign Grand Inspector Generals, we say this, that you may repeat it, to the brothers of the 32nd the 31st and the 30th degrees the masonic religion should be by all of us initiates of the highest degrees maintained in the purity of the luciferian doctrine isn't that something pike's embrace of the luciferian doctrine it's not really surprising because manly p hall who was considered by Freemasonry as the Lodge's greatest scholar of the 20th century, taught that energies of Lucifer are necessary for the successful Masonic warrior. Meanwhile, John J. Robinson, whose book Born in Blood, was celebrated by top Masonic Lodge officials as an accurate history of the Knights Templar, as Levi, the Kabbalistic magician whose artist depiction of Baphomet, the androgynous original gender-bender goat god, was more to the point. He recognized that Satan and Lucifer are indeed one and in the same. And is it weird that Levi praised Satan as the angel presiding over the light of truth? Listen to his writing. Lucifer is divine and terrestrial. He is the Holy Spirit and is the light bearer in us. So we discover the Kabbalistic philosophy is not only that Lucifer is divine, but he's integrated into and is one with the mind of men who make up the Illuminati elite. Lucifer and these men are of one mind. Interesting that Revelation 17, we're told, the conspiracy of the elite in the end time shall be composed of world leaders who will be of one mind for they will give all of their power and strength to the beast. Demonic principalities are invoked in the rendering of Masonic signs and other magical operations and rituals. Talismans, images and other charge symbols and hand and body signs in the positions and prescribed actions of body parts are very key into these sophisticated and complex rituals. C.W. Ledbetter, a 33-degree Mason and occultist who was allied with Annie Besant and her Theosophical Society in the 1920s, is just one of many Masonic leaders who have acknowledged the participation of demonic spirits. Think of the Amalanta working out in the desert with Jack Parsons, the rocket jet propulsionist, Ron L. Hubbard, and Aleister Crowley, which I'll get into in the next show. And I'll end on this. At his trial for conspiracy to commit homicide... Satanic rebel Charles Manson, Mr. Creepy, was observed giving a variety of Masonic hand signs, including the Masonic sign of distress. The same sign was given by Mormon founder Joseph Smith as he lay dying on the floor of an Illinois jail in a variety of criminal charges. Lying bleeding and desperate, Smith's raspy voice could be heard crying out, the plaintive Masonic wail, calling on Masons to help another brother in dire trouble. Is there no help for the widow's son? Joseph Smith, no doubt, could not believe that he, a man who claimed to be God's chosen prophet, but who secretly worshipped Lucifer, a man of such superior intellect and endowed with the occult gift of spiritual enlightenment, was about to meet his maker by a victim of a vigilante mob who despised him. And back to Jack Parsons, the American rocket scientist, jet propulsionist, the founder of California's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and a high priest of the OTO, was, like Joseph Smith, a premier servant of Satan. He even fancied himself to be the prophesied Antichrist. Parsons wrote this chilling paragraph in his diary, And thus was I, Antichrist, loosed in the world, and to this I am pledged that the work of the beast shall be fulfilled and the way for the coming of Babylon be made open and I shall not cease or rest until these things are accomplished. And just think of the irony that a few years after writing this, good old Jack Parsons was killed in an explosion. Parsons now knows only too well, residing as he is in some subterranean cell somewhere in a place called hell. And we'll end on that note, and I'm looking forward to getting more into this series that I'm calling Codex Magica, Secret Symbols, Mysterious Signs, and Hidden Codes of the Illuminati. Join me for more.